family. Welcome to Hi. welcome to another episode of My Cousin's Keeper. Welcome I, back, episode three. Episode three. I am Jacqueline Renee. And I'm Danielle. All right, and we are here to get into it for the week. How are you doing, Danielle? <sighs> I'm good. You know, this week wasn't so bad. It was kind of very busy because, you know, we was trying to record all week and I kept falling asleep. <laughs> but, um, but we made it happen today. Yes. Um, let me think. What else? Oh, I, I made it to my second trimester. Ooh, yay. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> um but I didn't I didn't have an eventful week. It was it was very lackluster. Um just um very tired. All right, understood. Understood. How was yours? Uh yeah, so I mean, kind of uneventful as well. I mostly just worked, um, just went to work, came home, ate, ate at home. Shout out to eating at home. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I had today off, so kind of took it easy today and got to the grocery. Wait, you went, didn't you go somewhere last weekend? Didn't you have like a, um, you went to Clearwater? Yes, I went to Clearwater. It was really nice. Clearwater is the number one beach in America, apparently. So that was kind of cool. Spring break is starting. People were out and about. So it was really nice. It was only like 40 minutes from my house. So I'll definitely be back out there. Oh, so, that's it. That's good. Yeah, it was really nice. So, so yeah, did that. And then came back home on Sunday and... Yeah, just kind of got through this week, so it was a nice week, and I'm chilling this weekend. So awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I, you know, wish I could have went to a beach, but I am looking forward to. I believe we're about to finally start warming up here. I think that this week was like our last cold week. Okay. We got we I had a little. I woke up to a little bit of snow on the ground this morning. I was not happy about that, but. Mm-mm. Um, but it warmed up because by the time I got home, it was in this. It was like thirty-seven, almost forty. So you know that's that's almost a heat wave here. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, ooh, thirty-seven. What do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah we are almost a heat wave. Look, so I feel like I'm glad that I think that this is about to be our. This was our last cold week, so now we're about to be like. 37s to 40s and I know it's gonna be raining but that's okay I'll take the rain just as long as you keep that snow yeah. um I don't know I remember growing up the biggest snowstorm that happened I actually remember it was March 8th way back in the day so um I don't know it's still it's still a chance Hence, look, 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 don't you wish that on me, Ricky Bobby, okay? <laughs> Eat that evil to yourself. Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, keep that to yourself, okay? This is our last crazy week, okay? Okay, well. Thank you. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it was nice here. Um, we. All right, well, let's get. It was cold a couple of days. Like it was colder, you know. It was in the sixties, and then today it was like in the eighties, and it's gonna be in the eighties. So we good. <laughs> you know, I ain't gonna fight you right now. Why you talking about cold in the sixties, girl? Yeah, bye. Degrees of cold. Yeah. I wish. But you know that? Let me stop tripping. Like, I don't know how it is when I was living in Texas. Because when I was living in Texas, baby. Yeah. Hey, when I would come back here and I'd be like, it's 80 degrees in Texas and come back here and it'd be, it was about, you know, 60 degrees. But, y'all get this right. <laughs> but, yeah, I understand. Yeah. You know, you get used to different things. So, you do. You do. Yeah. The topic for tonight is the black divide in all aspects. Pretty much the bougie versus the ghetto. (laughs) Yes, the bougie versus anybody from the hood. um, How you kind of move around in professional settings versus when you might be back on your block. So, So yeah, this is definitely a topic that I like to explore because I feel like it's really relevant for a lot of people that I'm around and that I know. So I can kick it off. Um, I kind of add. What? With the code switching. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. So, (laughs) so yeah. um, You know, just a broad question just to start exploring this topic. Like, what kind of differences, you know, do you see in people that are professional or considered, you know, professional and educated versus people that you see in urban settings? Um, and, you know, how do you feel like there are pros and cons to both of those sides that basically, you know, drive class differences here in America? How about you start it off and then I chime in? Okay. So I feel like there are tons of differences that people will start to add to their life and to their mannerisms, you know, the farther up they go. So I feel like 20 years ago, I didn't see much of a difference between what might be considered, you know, professional or, you know, super educated versus the hood because I wasn't far removed or far into any new environment. So I guess I'll say, you know, growing up, I feel like I had a comfortable upbringing. Um, My parents were in the military and I went to good schools, you know, got good grades. So I had some exposure to better environments, but it wasn't like on a Jack and Jill level, you know? And then going to college, that's when I feel like I started to meet people that had different upbringings, but we were still all students. So there still was, you know, this level of, hey, none of us are getting paid that much. Like you might have a good internship, but you're still a full time student. When I when I graduated, you know, going into the real world and dealing with black people from all different types of environments that's when I feel like I started to notice there's a difference (laughs) between, 
you know, black people that you meet at work, you know, there's black people that you meet at work that you all have a cordial relationship, you know, it's all about the work, it's all about the company, and they're nice people, but they might not be the type of black people that you would hang out outside of work, you know, and they are maybe not the type of black people that you would bring around, you, you wouldn't feel comfortable bringing them around your friends outside of work. And then on the flip side, you've got people from around the way, from the block, from the street, the hood, the ghetto, whatever you want to call it. You may have grew up with them. They might be family friends. You know, it might be your family. <laughs> and you just wouldn't bring those people around the work setting, you know, that you wouldn't bring them to your job. You wouldn't bring them to something where there were going to be co-workers there. Like you wouldn't tell them to come to happy hour with you and the people that you work with. And I think there's pros and cons, you know, to everybody, like having those connections in the workplace with other black people is great. And it's important because you don't want to feel like you're on an island in the workplace. But I think it's also important to have your hood people too. I, well, see, I feel like my experience was just a tad bit different from yours, but not all the way. Mm-hmm. Like, growing up, um, of course, I went to public school. I didn't, I don't, my mom didn't put me in private school. She tried to for a little bit, but I think it cost too much. We was right back in public school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, I just felt like, I mean, the schools that I went to were definitely predominantly black. Um, so my situation was probably a little bit more ghetto than yours. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe because I'm just used to it, it didn't bother me, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but also, I was in a different type of ghetto, well, quote-unquote ghetto situation because I grew up in a suburb. It's not like I was in the city of Chicago type ghetto. You know, those are two totally different things so um we didn't live in no ghetto no but don't but you know how even even though you still have those people that grow up in the suburbs that still want to act like they got that hood mentality act like they've been there and they know all you know yeah so um mine was just a little bit different but not like i said not too far removed and then as far as like the workplace I think like my workplace experiences is um, the black people that I'm around they um, we're around the white people it's definitely a lot of code switching it's definitely you know you speak a certain way you, you talk a certain way you you know you do you, you carry yourself certain way but when it was just us it's like oh hey girl you know we would talk like how we mm-hmm. would normally talk we would have regular conversations and um stuff like that and the people that I have met as co-workers that I'm pretty cool with it's, it's weird because I have I've run into really good co-workers that were really good friends but we never would hang out outside of work mostly me because I think I'm just antisocial. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just very antisocial. And and it's not their fault. It's me. Um, but as far as, like, 
bringing people around, like my co-workers. I don't think I have any family members that I wouldn't want to bring around. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, child. I would probably beg to differ there. There's family that I love to love dearly, um, but I would probably opt not to bring them around, coworkers. But girl, plenty people, okay? <laughs> ain't no, ain't no individual. <laughs> I'm not one of them. Am I one of them? I mean, I might be selective. <laughs> I think that's important too just knowing like what you can handle and what you're comfortable with i think don't lie to yourself right like don't put yourself in a position where you're going to feel embarrassed or um regret you know having different people around each other but i think you know i also do want to say you should have some some level of consistency about yourself that you can be around anybody, you know, and you can bring right. people that you love and that that you care about and that you're related to around lots of different people. So I don't I know some people struggle with that, but I do believe that, you know, if if people love you in one circle for whatever reason, you would hopefully, you know, get, be getting love from all different people from everywhere for similar reasons. So but everybody don't move that way. But um I'll segue into one more question before, you know, I give you an opportunity to ask me a question. So kind of along those lines of, you know, different people moving, people moving differently, you know, in in different ways around different groups of people. Um, how do you think we can connect different classes of black people more? And do you think we're doing a good job of that right now? You know, I think most of the socializing of that will be, like, I feel like that happens a lot during the college years, but I feel like, are we really doing a good job of it? I don't know. I think it all depends on the person and what they want. You know, like, do you, are you comfortable with where you are? Are these the people that you want to be around? Um, Do you want to elevate? I think that is, like really where it should start you know because I feel like um when I was in Texas I felt like I wanted to elevate I wanted to be around people who were doing things and I did and I, I felt like being around your group of friends and stuff everybody was doing stuff everybody was doing something everybody was very well versed very well educated so sometimes I did feel a little out of place but also at the same time even with everybody having um, all those accolades and stuff like that, it didn't, everybody still was real cool. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, nobody was, like, made me feel like I was belittled or beneath, yeah. if that made any sense. Yeah. So, I think it's all about the person and what they want and what they're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think, sense. yeah, I think that's actually a very good point. You know, shout out to the Dallas crew. Um, yes. But I think that's definitely valid. You know, we need to better understand what what differences people might have by class and where that impacts their life. And I know, yeah, I agree. I've been fortunate enough to know people that don't 
discriminate, you know, because of somebody's background or if they didn't go to the same exact, you know, level of school that they did or if they didn't do certain things. So that's definitely been like the the upside of the friends that I've had, you know, a lot of them are from college. A lot of them are, um, you know, I went to an HBCU, you know, a lot of them went to other HBCUs and we connect at that level or we're in a similar industry. So, you know, we just find ways to network in and outside of professional settings, but everybody is cool. You know, they will accept all different types of people, you know, with open arms, but you know, I think that I also have had opportunities with my job to connect back to, you know, like the Boys and Girls Club and just other, you know, parts of the black community that are trying to address issues like poverty, you know, and just safe access for kids to, you know, to play and, you know, to just enjoy their communities and, for me, that's very rewarding and it makes me realize, you know, black people are still a lot more alike than they are different no matter where they are in their walks of life or, you know, what side of town they live on. And I do wish, you know, I, I mean, I'll just speak for myself, I guess, like I, I know I need to get more involved in different parts of the community, you know, and go and connect with people that might not be, you know, I, I hate saying like as fortunate as me, but I mean, I guess that really is what it is, you know, like just make sure that they have access, you know, to have a fulfilling life just like anybody else. So I think it's something that we can always work on because we know black people struggle with <laughs> just supporting each other. So we, oh. we can support black businesses. I think that that's a great, you know, initiative and definitely something that I do uh, often, but I think I know I can be a better steward of the black community in general, you know, and take my black ass over to the hood part of town and just, you know, give my time and volunteer and do whatever. So, so yeah. That's so sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to find ways to give back to though. And I also want to find ways to, to show definitely Saya. Like I feel like, um, I have this idea for like Christmas this year. Mm -hmm. um, I still want to make sure that my baby has a few gifts at home, but I'm not going to do the extravagant Christmas. Like this year, even this year, when, I mean, not this year, last year, sorry. Even last year when we did Christmas, I didn't want to, she's only, she's only one. So I didn't want to do where we're buying all these gifts and she has to have all these toys mm -hmm. because, you know, I feel like as parents try to compensate and do better than what our parents did for us. And, um, I just didn't want to overdo it. She got good stuff, but she didn't, we didn't break the bank. So this year I kind of want to buy gifts for children in the hospitals. Okay. And I want her to pass them out. Like, I want her to go with me and pass them out. Um, I want her to learn that giving is just as important as receiving. You know, I feel like there's a lot of kids out here that feel very entitled. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to raise an entitled child. Yeah. That's cool. That would be good. Yeah, I just got to not be lazy, though. That's the thing. <laughs> 
they got to not be lazy, but I do want to do that. I, I, I want that to be something that we do, especially if I can afford it. Mm-hmm. If I can afford it every year, I would love for it to be something that we do as a tradition every year. But we'll have to see. Well, that's a good initiative. I could, you know, I could get in on that. So we can revisit that, you know, maybe in July when they start selling Christmas things. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Any questions for me tonight? Um. So, well, you kind of answered the one that I was going to ask about, like the family member who would you um not want to bring around your coworkers, but you know, you said as many of them. <laughs> 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 and I'm only invited to certain spots and certain ones. <laughs> I get in on, but I'm glad I ain't one that you totally axed out. So it's cool. <laughs> Hey man, I gotta keep getting my coin now. I can't have y'all out here messing up my bag. <laughs> I understand. I understand. You gotta do what you gotta do. So, like, okay, so I guess my thing would be like um, the code switching. Um, would you give me like a quick little story of where you like know, like a funny one though, like of the code switching where you had to constantly, you know, snap in and out of it from Jacqueline to Renee. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I don't feel like I code switch as well as people might think that I do. And I'll, I'll tell you that I feel that way because I remember when I first, first worked in like an almost all black environment, like I, I was working out in LA and a majority of my coworkers were black and I had never really been in that environment before. You know, I was used to maybe a sprinkle, but not like all of the leaders, everybody around you, all of the administration, like that was new for me. So I didn't, I, at that point, that's when I realized maybe they tried to make it seem like I sounded slightly hood. You know, like they would kind of get on me about that. And I'm like, you know, here I was thinking all this time that in the work environment, I was coming off, you know, a little bit more prim and proper than that. But maybe when I am speaking, you know, to non-black people, it's a different tone. But I was more relaxed when I was around all these black people in the office. So I didn't, you know, I didn't code switch as hard around them. But but I don't know. I mean, I feel like in, you know, in college, we did a lot of, you know, oratorical practice, however you want to phrase it, you know, oh. greetings, I am Jacqueline Renee, you know, like that type of stuff that we had to learn how to do so that we would present well, you know, interview well, know how to be social in a professional setting and you know, speak well, I guess. But I think I I remember one time I was um, interviewing over the phone for an internship. And I don't know what I said to that white woman. But when I finished, she was like, Oh, my gosh, you're so well spoken. And I was like, Oh, got him. Like, (laughs) I don't know what I said, but I did enough. So (laughs) I was working in the fall. Um, But yeah, I mean, I have another question real quick. Okay. So seeing that you were in a predominantly black office where all the head people were black and Mm -hmm. then you weren't used to that, 
what was the like the differences in those situations where you was in the black office versus a predominantly white office and which one did you prefer so i found that you take away the issue of race so there's a different level of comfort that you do have you know you're not really worried about oh did that happen because i'm black or did she say that you know to me in that way because i'm black or anything like that like it's not a concern because nine times out of ten you're talking to somebody who's also black so then that is one of the few environments where i felt like you actually get to worry about what the issues are and what (laughs) so it's either you're doing well or not doing well with the business and that's what y'all are focused on or it might be you know personal or dramatic but it's just not evolving around revolving around race and that was interesting and but it was difficult at the same time because you should be comfortable around your people and sometimes it's it's not you know you're still not gonna like everybody even if all of them look like you so that was you know kind of the con of it all it's like okay it's a lot of black people around but Do I like all of these black people? Do all of these black people mean well for me and everybody else that's here? You know, so I mean, I definitely now that I've seen that and been a part of that and then had the, you know, fortunate opportunity to work in offices that were a little bit more mixed. And Uh now, you know, being back in a mostly white environment now, um, I would say the mixed environment is cool because you still have people that you can connect with. You, you feel like you're represented well at work, you know, and that there's obviously opportunities for people that look like you, which is good, but you still also feel like it represents, you know, I'd say the real world. And I don't mean that in a way like, oh, all black people can't work together because that's not reality because it obviously was my reality, but it just, you know, it kind of, I feel like it cuts down on dramatics because again, like when it's all these black people working together and they get to really kind of let their hair down and not be so, you know, code switchy all the time, like you can get really dramatic and (laughs) it's just not what you want. (laughs) So, so yeah, a little bit of everybody is cool in the workplace. I think it keeps everybody focused on the work. Makes sense. Yeah. So question for you. Uh-huh. So, um, I feel like you may have answered it a little bit, but you know, just to clarify for the people, um, how bougie are you on a scale of Gina Waters to Shanene Jenkins? Mm. Okay, <laughs> so to some people, they don't think I'm straight Gina and I'm just the bougiest thing ever. It's because you but- like skiing. I think that, and I don't get that. Like that is too dumb. Like people be thinking that just because, um, they be like, you just look so mean, and I be like, I'm just looking. Like, but anyways, that's a whole other subject. Anyways, um, so I think that's people's perception of me, but me personally. I don't, I don't, I'm not Shanae, I'm definitely not her, but I don't think I'm Gina either. I feel like I'm a mixture. 
Okay. So maybe a little bit of Pam, because Pam was, you know, she had a little hood, a little bougie in her too. You know, she had a combination of the two. Yes. That I feel like I could be very, um, I can go anywhere. I feel like I, I can go into the professional way and the professional world. I can act accordingly and hold conversations. But I also feel like, too, I can go to the whole wall spot and turn up with the best of them and have a good time doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't feel like I'm, I think I'm, you know, me personally, this is just my personal opinion of myself. I think I'm one cool-ass chick, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm real down to earth. Um, I, now, don't get it twisted. I, if I don't like you, I don't really fuck with you, but I, you know, I'll look at you a little funny. And I'm very <laughs> to the point but I think that I can fit in anywhere. But that's just me. Are you a Leo? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm amazing. <laughs> the lovely Leos. You know, we are awesome. We are like the sunshine. And, you know, I am a queen <laughs> of my castle. Just saying. Oh, my gosh. I had to ask because it just, the Leo just came oozing out of you for a moment there. (laughs) Oh, man. I know that a lot of people would lean me more towards a Gina. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some people, again. To know you. To know you know you. You know you ain't no all the way Gina. Right. Right. And I think there's some people that would love to put me closer to Shanene than I would belong as well. I I agree with you. I definitely believe in the Pam lane. Shout out to Pam, you know, because Pam always had that good job. You know, she was always going to see about Gina like, girl, let's go to work. But she was not with the shit. She was ready to square up with Shanene anytime she came out that door acting funny. And... And she wasn't letting them dudes say nothing to her. She always had them words for Martin. So, but she always was at work with Gina. So, yeah, I would I would definitely, you know, lean more towards the Pam. But, you know, there's probably still some people that'll hear this and be like, no, you're hood. I don't know what's wrong with you. But that's what I, um, I that's my story. And I'm sticking to it for now. Yeah, I don't see you being that hood. I mean, I definitely don't see you as no Gina at all. But I think that's because I know you and we hang out and it's like we kind of like be on the same page. But you know what? When we first started hanging out, though, I'm not going to lie. I had to adjust. I had to adapt because when we first started hanging out, I was like, wait a minute. This ain't how me and my friends do it. This is different, you know, (laughs) meaning not in a bad way, but meaning like you're very you and your crew are very all right, this is what we're going to do. Like, y'all very organized. Y'all have itineraries and shit planned. Mm-hmm. Now, either you're going to get with what we're doing or you're going to come back later. <laughs> like, that's just the way y'all roll. It ain't it ain't no stopping the show for no one pony. Like, for nobody. The show, hell, it didn't even stop for your ass when you pass out. You know, it's, <laughs> it just keeps going. And I didn't understand that at first. Because at first, I'm like, uh-uh, this is not what me and my friends do. This is not how we do this. Like, this is crazy. But now, it's so funny how when I go, like, our cousin Hootie, mm-hmm. when I went on a trip with her and her friends, you know, they're from Chicago, and they kind of do things the same way me and my friends do it. Mm-hmm. But, girl, 
when I tell you I went on that trip with them, I was like, oh, hell no. This is not what I do. Like, if you can't move, then you're going to have to stack. Okay, we're going to keep this going. Like, ain't nobody about to sit here because she want to sit here. Like, you know, like, I have totally adapted your friends' ways of doing things. I promise you I have. Because <laughs> I'm quick to leave. Bye, deuces, girl. Mm-mm. Even when we go out, do you hear me? Like... <laughs> We went out. It was it was Hootie and her husband, me mm-hmm. and Terrence. We went to this uh, place that uh uh went to a party called R and B only at oh, the House of Blues. Yeah. Just wanted to sit and chill and fill out and watch the crowd. I said, Simpsons, I'm going to the dance floor. I'll see y'all later. Left all of them and went on the middle of the dance floor and was Dancing by myself, singing by myself, with my drink, having a good old time by myself. Do you hear me? Oh, my gosh. So, yes, I have adapted your ways. <laughs> well, yes, girl, the party don't stop. You know, no monkeys stop any show around with my people, including myself. You know, I'd be a monkey down bad, and I'll just have to hear about how it went because they're not, yeah. they're not going to stop the party. Yeah. Well, now we good at making sure you okay. You good? You got your water. You in your bed? Yeah. Oh, we'll see you back later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that night is done. Ours is it. <laughs> yes. But you know what I also want to call out. You know, shout out to the Shanae Jenkins of the world. You know, that's again. I feel like that's the good part of the hood because Shanae, she had it together, right? She had her place. She had a salon. She was in there doing black toes, you know, knew that, you know, Myra needed a special. I think that was her name. She went yeah. went to town on them feet. She was doing hair. She was, you know, out in the city. She was um, singing with her girl, Yo-Yo. A so, jack of all trades. Yes. So shout out to the Shanaynays of the world. You know, I love me a good hood chick, you know, with lots of golds and lots of hair and, and lots of colors. You know, I'm I'm forever inspired. I love the hood. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are like, girl, we know. <laughs> so, so question, since you love the hood, do you be with hood niggas though? Like, is that your type? So what's your type, Renee? Because I feel like you like hood niggas. That's what I feel like. Um, you know, I may have for a brief moment I realized that is not my ministry. <laughs> Like I can't, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with anybody that is too closely tied to street activity. Like I can be, I have lots of different friends. You know, I have lots of women and men friends. We can be great pals. Um, you know, you can deal all of the drugs, but I don't want anything to do with you romantically. If you still are too closely tied to the hood and your everyday behavior, that just I don't, I can't relate. I can't relate. Uh, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, I do too much corporate shit. I don't know. I hate, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. You know they say opposites attract though. Yeah, but I haven't met no street nobody in a long time that I I was attracted to. Like that shit don't attract me like it may have once before. <laughs> uh, you're a grown woman okay you you done grewed up yeah you know you know what that is that's growth 
Okay, so another question. Um, so it kind of came up on um, LeBron James' show that comes on HBO, The Shop. I saw a preview. I haven't watched the episode yet, um, but I saw a preview where he and Meek Mill and other people were talking about, you know, kind of owing your family or kind of giving, you know, your earnings and all of your riches back to the community or back to your family. So do you feel like bougie or accomplished people owe the hood or the less fortunate people more than they are giving them today? Okay, so I saw a clip of that mm-hmm. on Instagram, and I saw Meek Mill kind of talking about it. Yeah. And Meek Mill was kind of saying, like, he don't owe, his words was, I don't owe no, he said, I don't owe nobody shit. <laughs> and, um, and he was also saying, like, well, if I start taking care of people, at what point will people... You know, when are they going to ever be done? You're going to constantly have to keep doing it. Yeah. And then 2 chains tried to chime in a little bit, and he was like, I, I, he's, I, he was like I'm so stressed out. You know, I'll take care of all my family. Mm-hmm. And that's how you see the difference because it's like, yeah, when you're trying to overdo it and you're trying to take care of everybody, that could be very, very, very well, very stressful. Yeah. But also at the same time, I believe... If I was to have a whole bunch of money, I would just take, to me, it should be only your immediate family. Mm-hmm. It should not be your whole entire family. It should not be all your cousins. I thought I would not be taking care of all my cousins. It just wouldn't happen. Because I got too many of y'all. It's not going to happen. But immediate family, to an extent, I'm not taking care of you to where you think you don't need a job. Or to a point where you think that you can just live off me and I'll just keep paying all your bills. That's not going to happen either. Because if I have to bust my ass, you need to bust yours too. Mm-hmm. Just because I did something and I came up into some money don't mean that we all came up into something. Yeah, I think that I would live somewhere in the middle. You know, like, I think it's, yeah, first of all... <laughs> If, like you say, if I'm doing all of the work, I have a real hard time just handing that that out to people that didn't contribute to the work. But yeah. I definitely believe in looking out for, like you said, immediate family, for family that has specific needs, you know, like making sure that children are taken care of, making sure that um, like expenses related to bettering yourself and those are you know those are limited right those are expenses related to school or related to a job or moving to a new city something like that those things I would be willing to help out on but yeah some people you know they will just put their hand out and they'll never stop asking and they'll put you in a position where you might think okay they just need to help this one time and then here they come asking again, you know? And yeah. it's like, that could be family, that could be friends. And it's like, you, it is a very fine line that you have to walk. And yeah, I think if you, you have to be able to afford yourself and your life and everything that is a priority on your plate, 
And anything that is above and beyond that, you have to be willing to give generously, right? Give enthusiastically because a lot of times it's not coming back to you. And if you're not truly at that level, then don't lie to yourself, you know, or else you'll wind up stressed out, you know? Yeah. And I also feel like too, you know, you can't just keep giving and giving and giving and giving to people because eventually you're going to keep giving. And then what happens when your well runs dry? When your well is dry, yeah. they ain't going to be nowhere to be found. Ain't nobody going to help you. But the minute that you're supposed to be helping them, they're all around. So mm-hmm. I, that, I feel like you have to be very careful with that because you have to make sure at the end of the day, if ain't nobody else straight, you straight. Yeah. And I also feel like, um, are you a fan of Keisha Cole? Like, did you ever used to watch, like, her reality shows and stuff like that? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> no? Okay. Well, I was a fan of hers. And I felt like, and I, of course, watched all her reality shows. I like and the music. She, I just, I like the music. I just wasn't, like, I don't think I was tuned in too much to the reality shows. If I watch them, I don't remember them now. Well, I feel like she's a perfect example of this mm-hmm. because she was one who blew up, came to all this money, and then now her you know, her family was around and she wanted to take care of everybody. So she moved majority of her family to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and um, which was like her siblings, her brother, her sister, and their kids. And she bought houses for them. I think she bought her mom a house. I think she bought her sister a house. Her sister and her kids a house. She bought, um, did she buy her brother's house? But anyway, go, she bought them a house. And the house is raggedy now. The house looks tore up. They didn't take care of it. What you saw, like a clip or something? Huh? What you saw, a clip or, um, uh, how did you find out how the house looks now? Oh, girl, you know, I used to watch a reality show. So it was like in the beginning, like when you watched a reality show, you saw her doing all this transformation and moving her family, trying to take care of everybody. And she did. The houses were nice. And then I think um, after her reality show went off, like after she had the baby, she mm. did like a, a booby. Her and booby did like a a quick little reality show together. Mm-hmm. And I think she was talking about how her and her sister was having a hard time getting along and um, how yeah. she did all these things and how she felt taken advantage of. And then that show got canceled. I think it was only one season for that show. And then I think she did like, uh, um, I can't think of the name of a show, but it was like a, it wasn't a a season. It was just like a couple series of a show. And she was talking and she showed the house that she had bought them. The house was raggedy. She was she had bought her mom a, a condo. And you know her mom was a crackhead, but she couldn't find her mom. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy. So to me, I feel like she's a perfect example of someone who really tried to look out for her family and take care of her family. But her family felt entitled. Yeah. And they didn't take care of the stuff she had provided for them. Yep. So she's now to a point where she's kind of like cut people off. Mm. And I think her and nephew aren't really talking anymore. And and that's that's what I mean by when you cut somebody off, 
now they don't want to talk to you. They don't fuck with you. So it's like she had to protect herself and her own child. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So I think she's like the perfect example of that. Yeah. So you to not do what Keisha Cole did. True. You're right. Um, give. That's why I say for sure, right? Like, I'm giving to you if I see that you're out here already making 80% of the effort happen. You know, like, oh, I am, you know, trying to better my life. I'm, I'm already in school. I'm already working. I'm already one step forward. And I can help you make that second step because, yeah, she was just bringing people out the gutter, but they weren't making no new moves outside the gutter. They was just living gutter life in new condos. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Ciao. Well, you know, I think this is an interesting topic and we kind of, you know, touched the surface, but we know there's always more work to be done to bring black people together. You know, those of us out here that are doing okay versus those that are doing like super well and maybe those that could use a lot of help. So, you know, maybe we can all reconsider how we're helping the community and how we can give back and you know, hold hands with our fellow black people from from above and below. <laughs> Sounds right to me. Well, let's get into this Hey Girl Hey. All right. Yes. The Hey Girl Hey. You know, we got a few things. We got a few things. Yeah, um, girl. We got to talk about what we saw on TV tonight. <laughs> I'm going to save the best for last, like you said last time. Okay. Best for last. Best okay. For last. <laughs> um, okay. So first... You know, I want to I wanna get into the new music for the past week. You know, it's been three albums that I've been really rocking with. And, you know, hey girl, have you listened to um, any of the newness? We've got Solange, 2 Chains, and T-Pain, all dropped albums within the last week. Have you so, heard any? Yes. I love the 2 Chains. And, you know, 2 Chains is like my BFF and my head. You he don't know that, but mm-hmm. we got best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he's like super fucking cool. Like I feel like he's so dope, and but he's so chill at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I love to change, but anyways, um, and I did listen. So his album was good. I loved his album. Um, Solange, I was only able to get through like the first six songs and I was like I don't know what the hell I'm listening to <laughs> we talked about that and you were like oh it's a vibe that's fine because um, I didn't understand anything that she was talking about so um, when I can get to the vibe I'll get to the vibe later and then T-Pain I did listen to his album it was a few cuts on there though mm-hmm. it was a few on there um who else? I feel like we're missing one more person, though. Oh, let me know. Who else? I feel like we're missing one more, and I'm trying to think. Gosh darn it. Well, go ahead. You tell me what you thought, and then I'll look this up real quick. Yeah, so, okay. Um, 2 Chains, you know, I love 2 Chains as well. You know, some circles, I am known as Jackie Two Necklaces, so. <laughs> <laughs> Very special place in my heart. Um. I like the album. Oh, Sammy. Sammy had a new album. Sammy had a new album? I need to listen to it. Yeah, that one's actually pretty good, too. Okay, I'm going to listen to the Sammy, and I'll report back. Um, 
But yeah, I really like the two chains. You know, I was actually listening to it when I was out in Clearwater. And it got to that hot top Versace with Young Thug. And I just like perked up. I'm like, oh shit, like this is this is riding. So <laughs> I liked it. And that kind of went into like a four to five song um kind of ride out for me. I'ma pull the album up so I can see. Cause after that, um it was okay, whip with Travis Scott. I mean, I'm a stand for Travis Scott. Like I stand all day and night. Um, and then NCAA, I thought that was a good track, just like kind of talking about what them boys be going through, playing them college sports, um, but putting it to a great beat because it was real catchy and it took me a couple of listens before I realized I'm like, oh, he's like exposing like (laughs) the, uh, National College Athletic Association (laughs) quietly. Um, mama, I hit a lick with Kendrick Lamar. Oh my God. Like. Kendrick, I learn every time I hear him that I love him more and more. Because he just, again, he comes on the beat and I perk up like, oh my gosh, Kendrick is here. So <laughs> that was definitely definitely the jam. Um, Rule the World. I, I don't know why I was so opposed to hearing Ariana Grande, but it was... I like that one. That was a good one to it, me. It is. It's good. And I don't know what I have against Ariana Grande on this track, but... It she does a fine job. Um, <laughs> Do you just not like her? I I don't dislike her. Um, that she's like the only person they play on the radio here. So I hear Ariana Grande songs all day, every day. Um, but so maybe yeah. that was it too. Like I'm just I have enough Ariana Grande in my life, like on a regular day. You know she said we pronounce her name wrong. She said her name is Grandy. Ariana Grandy. Um, listen, when she decides to pronounce her name one day, then we'll get, then we'll be on the same page because, you know, on the radio, you know, they have all the artists do the little random spots, you know, and she, they have one first. She'd be like, hi, I'm Ariana Grande. I'm like, here you go again with this Grande shit. Like you tell me, is it Grande? Is it Grandy? I don't know. You get consistent. Then I can say it consistently, but but yeah, I mean, the two chains was was jamming. Um, Sam, the last track talking about these taxes. Um, I thought that was a good one as well. So overall, the two chains is definitely um, going to remain in rotation. Um, the Solange, super vibey. Um, I too saw things that I imagined. Solange, um, I got into it. I got into it. Um, I got. I gave it three listens at work um, because it is kind of quick. Um, it's only 39 minutes. And so it allowed for everything to kind of go by quickly, you know, or I think in a work environment, right? Like 40 minutes goes by in no time. So you kind of yeah. hear it and then you can hear it again, depending on what you're working on or what you're doing. And I I got into it, but I mean, I like Solange. I like the seat at the table. I'm not a Solange purist. I was not listening to that Hadley Street album, whatever that shit was called back in the day. I'm sorry. Um, I wasn't into it. I'm not going to lie to anybody, but I got into Solange on a seat at the table. I like her being real abstract and different and doing all these weird things that she does. And I like the album. Um, it's not, 
it's not too many features. I, of course, I love the Gucci feature. And uh, she has somebody else on there. Oh, she had a Timbaland beat. That was dope. Um, well, I guess I can open up the app again and look at this just like I did for 2 chains. Um, so, and then when I get home, I mean, it's basically like paying homage to Houston as a city. Everything on the album has some meaning that goes back to Houston. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I've, I've definitely had it in rotation heavily. So shout out to her. Now the T-Pain. Now I felt the T-Pain, um, a little bit more on a spiritual level because, you know, T-Pain made rapper turned singer when I was living in Tallahassee and he was the Tallahassee hero so that was like the soundtrack to my college days. So, I, yeah, so I always enjoyed T-Pain probably more than, you know, maybe average folks would because I was there, you know, where all of the music was being played. And there's just a couple tracks he had on there that made me want to take my ass right back on up to Tallahassee, go to my favorite spot, hit the happy hour, you know, shout out to the top flight. He made me want to go up there and go to the moon and go to the back of the club with a bottle of Hennessy and, you know, party with my dogs on their birthday. He he also, you know, had a few like slow jams on there. He going to give you that. Um, I mean, just just made me feel like I needed to be in the 850 and I really appreciated everything about it. Um, really love T-Pain. I still hear these rumblings of people saying, oh, T-Pain can sing. I'm like, y'all just haven't been paying attention. But again, I know I feel like I have a special, you know, a special access, a special connection. Yes. So he got me on that one. I've, I've definitely had the T-Pain in rotation as well. So I would say that, you know, the two chains, I would say, hmm. Solange probably will get the most spins from me um, just because, again, it's so easy at work because the T-Pain the has me ready to party like and, and ready to, you know, turn up. And the 2 chains also have me ready to turn up. So I'm like, I can't get, you know, two turns at work. So, but yeah, good music this past uh, week. Uh, hopefully there'll be plenty more to come as we go into the summer. So, okay. Oh, wait. Before you get into the next one, we forgot, um, what's his face? Uh, Cardi B's husband. Oh, Offset? Yeah. Oh. He, you know, all of them released the album, and I think his was the best. I'm sorry. That was his, wasn't that his second album? Um, I thought that was his first one. I thought this was his first solo. Um, I, I don't remember, but... I would say out of the the latest of each Migos offering, uh, Offset always has the best because Quavo is just, I mean, I love, I love Quavo Hancho. Um, don't get me wrong. I am, I'm a Quavo fan. You know, I feel like Quavo's a diva. Quavo is, you know, he's center stage. He's a star and I, I just love him. Um, but his solo album was only so-so. Um, I did not you listen. Know, you were right. He does have another solo album. Um, without warning, 
Yeah. I didn't know that. I never listened to it. So I guess maybe I'll listen to it. Yeah, Without Warning has Ric Flair drip on it. And that shit was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only listened to the Takeoff like twice. And Takeoff is personally my favorite Mego because I too like to play in the background and just get my money. But I did not really get into his solo album very much. I listened to a few Quavo songs heavy, but I never really liked to let the whole album play on its own. And the offset, so it started off real heavy. Like, oh, like, oh, all these kids I got. And I started having my mama kick me out when I was, when I had my first kid, I was a child and I didn't know that girl's mama. And I'm just like, oh my God, like somebody hand offset a tissue. But... (laughs) But, I mean, it was cool. It, it got a little bit lighter, I guess. I only listened to it maybe once or twice. But I will say I really... I'm an Offset fan when he's on these collaborations because let me tell you what, that Metro Boomin' that came out whenever it did, I know it's been a little bit now, but with between Offset, Travis Scott, um, 21 Savage, uh, Ray... Not Ray Strummer, but just Sway Lee, I believe. All of them on, on them tracks with Metro in the background. Yeah, I, I was, that was my vibe. So I do like Offset. I just, I don't know. I haven't really been here for any Migos solo album that hard. Like, Yeah, they, I didn't like the other ones. But, you know, but just had to bring him up too real quick. Oh, and that Sammy album. It was pretty good, but I feel like it, um, this album was more of, like, him talking about, like, his breakups and some of the mistakes that he did, and I think that's one of the things that I like about Sammy, the grown, the adult Sammy, is him, you know, giving the male perspective of, you know, where he went wrong and what stuff he's done, because, you know, a lot of niggas don't be wanting to admit none of they wrongs because in their <laughs> eyes they ain't did nothing nothing us females are just crazy you know yeah so i i like that and i like that it shows like the grown man side of him okay, okay. yeah i like the grown man sammy okay yeah i'll have to check the sammy out and i will report back um <laughs> so yes okay so the next hey girl hey topic you know, we are recording, I believe, as Love After Lockup is happening, um, just as, you know, right before our very eyes, uh, we are getting the finale of the season. And I just could not, you know, let this season go by without talking to it a little bit. Like, Love After Lockup, that has been my season show. Season two. Season two. Season one wasn't all that great. Season two? Is where it's hitting it. You said that before, and I feel like you're not giving season one its credit. Like, season one paved the way. <laughs> yeah, they paved the way, but season two slammed up that joint. Oh, I mean. Season one was the alley, season two did the oop. <laughs> season two got so much drama, and them people so stupid. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm. I'm yeah I want to chat about it because we are at the season finale so pretty much everything that has happened wait wait wait. have you seen the season finale because I ain't seen it yet no it's literally on right now oh okay 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 
Okay, good, because we can't spoil it then. Okay, good. Go no, ahead. we are here t- just recapping the season and m- maybe doing our predictions because we're going to watch it after this is over and we'll see if we were right. So, you know, let's, okay, let's chat about them all. Let's start with, the, you know, a lighter, lighter couple. I would say Caitlin and, Caitlin and Matt. Caitlin and Matt. So, Matt was in jail. He's been in and out of jail most of his adult life. He was on meth. And Caitlin met him on the prison internets. And she's a little bit older than him. I think she's like 32 and he's 28. Um, she kind of came from a slight, I, would, I guess maybe a troubled background. You know, her mother was on drugs, so she wasn't around a lot. And then Caitlin got with Matt moved in with him and his mama. Um, She actually lost her mother, you know, within the season, but they're still, and I think towards the end of the season, they're, they're trying to work things out, but Matt was back in jail. Um, I feel like Caitlin just wouldn't, she was trying to mother that man the whole season and he was already living with his mama. He didn't need two moms. First of all, the man got out of jail and said, I don't mind going back to jail. I know I get three three hides in the bed. Right there, I would have been done. Because that means you don't give no cares about anything. And you don't have no ambition to do anything different. When that man went to try to get a job, and the man told him to do something, he said, oh, no, I can't do that because it's going to mess up my shoes. Are you serious? But go ahead, go to the next couple. Um, so, Brittany and Marcelino. Um, so, Brittany was in jail. Uh, I don't remember what Shorty did, but, you know, uh, a fairly, you know, average-looking white chick, um, bisexual, um, all into these prison girlfriends. She definitely had an active prison life. Um, mm-hmm. Girlfriends, friends, and somehow wound up hanging out with all of them when she got out of prison. Marcelino is this ex-Marine who, you know, had all the women in the world, was getting all the pussy in the world, and decided to become celibate and then find him a woman on the prison internets. And he met Brittany. So Brittany got out. They dealt with um, her having this girlfriend that also was recently released, Amanda. And ultimately, Brittany chose Marcelino and ended up, you know, pregnant towards the end of the season. And he proposed to her. I feel like they had the most complete story that they were able to put a bow on. You know, they honestly didn't have a lot of drama in general. Like, they they weren't able to, you know, play up a, a ton of drama. I, now that, in hindsight, I feel like that whole kiss with Amanda was even more staged. Because, now, Marcelino came off a little strong real early on, you know, telling Brittany what to do, you know, taking plates of food away from her at the restaurant and telling her who she can and cannot see, but it seems like they communicated very well. That was the thing I always liked about Brittany. She... She communicated really well, like, I'm standing here, I'm talking to you, talk to me, you know, I'm telling you the truth, like, just, I'm like, you know what, I I, I like the way she is communicating with him. 
But yeah, I like Britney too. The only thing I just wish Britney would just go get some teeth whitening. She needs some teeth whitening and she needs to get them bottom <laughs> bottom teeth closer together. I need her to get braces. But other than that, she cool. Oh Lord, y'all be hard on these people. But yeah, I think they I think they kind of wrap their story up well, you know. So hopefully she has her baby and her and Marcelino ride off into the sunset and and they do all right. So um next up Lizzie and Scott. Uh Lizzie did plenty hard time. She was locked up for let's call it ten years. Um Lizzie is the dumbest bitch on earth. That's what I think. Lizzie got a few DUIs and lots of uh, drugs, you know, lots of scamming going on just all around prison chick. Um, Scott is... And she was in jail for 10 years. She was in jail for 10 years. So she gets out. Well, before she gets out, she starts her relationship with Scott. And he gives her $90,000 over the course of their dating while she's behind bars. And she gets out and um, she wants to pursue this situation with Scott. But under the, the understanding that she is now born again and she is a renewed virgin, she's not having sex. Um, and Scott is basically just going to pay for her to live a fairy tale life and she doesn't really have to do much, you know, I'm, not that you exchange sex for money, y'all not saying that, but she does, she's not coming out with any skills, so she's not going to be working and she doesn't seem to have a very matronly way about her. So she's not even in it to cook and clean and contribute to the household or nothing like that. So, she just wants to live a good life while Scott foots the bill. So, her yep. da- her daughter Jasmine comes into play. Jasmine is 19. And she just wants a relationship with her mom. She does not want her mom dealing with Scott the trick. And I felt like... I felt for Jasmine because she knew her mom. The last time she was able to interact with her mom, she was a 9-year-old kid. So, she knew her mom from that perspective and you could tell that their interaction was in a way that was when they both knew each other at a younger age. Like Lizzie was functioning as if she was this younger woman before she had to go to prison. And her daughter was functioning as this nine-year-old who was longing for this mother that had been absent for so long. And that doesn't, those two personalities collide. So you had Jasmine who's really upset with her mom for being with Scott, you know, spending up Scott's money, calling her a greedy bitch about it. I'm like, ooh, you calling your mama a greedy bitch? But um, I don't know. I feel like Scott, his secret is, or to, to Lizzie, his secret is that he's broke and he spent all this money, you know, on her and he doesn't have anything else left. And so that's causing problems in their relationship now. And I think that is going to be their demise. They they won't stay together for long. Oh, most definitely. I First of all, I think she is the stupidest thing ever. You get all this money. And you waste it on drugs. Like, but I guess that's what happens when you are mentally stuck at like 20, 21. When you're an addict. Uh, and that too, because she's, yeah. And then Scott is just retarded altogether because 
you sitting here wasting. It's like he's one of those men that um, he wants the hot chick, but a hot woman ain't gonna want him, so he's mm-hmm. gonna pay for it. Yeah. And that's what he thought he was gonna do, pay for it, and he was gonna get it. But that woman unused him and sucked him dry. Yeah. Mm, both retarded. Um, next one who's the next one um so the next one is oh clint and goddess aka tracy so clint is um clint has some mental issues going on i don't care what he says or he's slow he's mentally slow i don't care what nobody say okay clint is slow so Clint meets another. He meets his girl on the prison internet, and you know her name is Tracy. He sees a few pictures of her with her blonde in, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, she's a gorgeous girl. I gotta have her." And they have a great relationship when she's behind bars, but when Tracy gets out, he wants to immediately marry her. They arrange to get married at some you know saloon that marries people after eight p.m. every Wednesday night. I don't know. And she shows up hours late, but they make the wedding happen. And after that, they go back to the hotel and, you know, the last thing we see is they're spending time together. And then the next episode comes around and Clint is in there crying. And we essentially learn that Tracy is on motherfucking crack. And basically she wanted some crack. He helped to provide crack for her. She got high and fell asleep and he i guess felt safe for a moment with his crack wife and when she woke up she wanted some more crack and at that point he decided that it was a heartbreaking situation and she left um well actually he left took a walk who knows why he did that i feel like that was always a lie um but he said when he came back tracy was gone the car that he had rented was gone and she ran off. And after that, you know, Tracy wound up back in jail. They spent the last three or so episodes um, up to this point with Tracy being behind bars and Clint just being this miserable person waiting to get his goddess out of jail. Um, I don't. I think that they ultimately broke up because once Tracy was back behind bars, she was like, so are we going to break up? Like, is this over with or not? Because she keeps trying to put it on the fact that his family doesn't want her around, which they don't and which they shouldn't. But, at, but you know, that's not the main issue here. Like, the main issue is that you won't stop doing crack and you keep going back to jail. So, they're not together anymore. I mean, as of the last episode and he was all miserable about it. But I feel like that story just got a little stale because honestly, once... She got out and she was on crack. It was like, there's nothing else we can do, bruh. She's not available to film. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I don't even want to talk about them. Let's get to the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, get to our our, uh, our trio. Megan. Yes, Megan, Sarah, and Michael. So, Megan. Oh, girl. I get so much secondhand embarrassment every time I think about Megan. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because, you know, I've been a 28-year-old single woman 
who wondered, you know, where there might be a love interest, but never did I go to the prison internets. So Megan, who's a resident of Fort Worth, Texas, which also makes me shake my head. Like, girl, if you don't get in the damn Metroplex and find you a man, but she, Mm -hmm. she found Michael who is incarcerated up in Michigan um, and started dating him started speaking prison talk to him you know talking about 100 years on the phone and shit um she's a virgin when she meets him and she has been saving it and she visited michael in prison and he proposed to her over the phone and she wants to be there when michael gets out of prison all the while michael is married to a young lady named sarah Sarah has his daughter, Aviana. Um, Megan thinks that Aviana is the only part of Michael's life, that the quote-unquote baby mama is a non-factor. But I knew it was an issue as soon as I heard them say that the daughter was about two and a half and he had been in jail for about two years. I'm like, oh, so he went to jail while the girl was still a baby you can't tell me that there isn't still some level of a relationship with the child's mother. Like, I feel like she was naive for believing that. But Sarah is, you know, basically taking care of their child, holding him down while he's in prison. Sarah is, in fact, a white girl. And that would not, it does not bother me. And it really wouldn't bother me at all. The one thing that gets me is Sarah has this damn black scent. That she likes to turn on when she's talking to Michael and his family. I'm like, why do you have to act like you from the hood all of a sudden when you're around these people? Because you don't talk like this when you're talking to these cameras, doing these little interviews, or talking to your homegirl, Emmy. Like, what? why do you need to turn on the black scent, Sarah, plain and tall? So, so when Michael gets out of prison... He, he tells Megan, don't come up to Michigan to get me. And that breaks her heart because he got to move back in with Sarah first and keep the relationship going with his daughter. And once that's established for like two weeks after giving Sarah pure hell every day of, of them two weeks, then he gets Megan to fly to Niagara Falls and spends a so-called romantic you know, it's supposed to be, I guess, a romantic weekend and takes this girl's virginity while she's wearing a terrible wig. So, you know, I feel like I'm doing a lot of the talking. Let me give you a chance to, you know, give us your, your take on Sarah and the, and, and Megan and the wig and Michael and, you know, all that he brought to the table. First of all, let me tell you. Okay. So I was watching this. <clears throat> I was working from home one day and I just had the TV playing. And I we just watched this. But girl, when I started noticing that both these women is talking to the same dude, they just sliding him over. <laughs> I said, wait a hold on, hold on one second here. Let me find out these women is dealing with these same girl and they was I was glued from that point on. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So, I was like, this ain't nothing but some typical nigga shit. <laughs> Straight nigga shit. This is what they do. 
you know, now you done, you got one holding you down and got your baby, but that ain't good enough for you. That ain't good enough. Now you got to go with somebody else and get them involved and then, you know, propose to this bitch even though you know you full-blown married. <laughs> now, you're messy as hell. But all he wanted was, let me tell you what all he wanted, even though he claimed he loved Megan, he loved, I don't believe that shit. He wanted that bitch virginity. Yep. That's all he wanted. Yep. And she the goofball for falling for it and then being extra goofy because now you got to rearrange your whole life. Dumb. But this nigga, you don't even know if you don't stay out of jail. You don't know if you don't want to really be with you like that. You don't know nothing about this man. So you about to rearrange your whole life. So that really blew my mind. I so we know that Megan is a home health care aide. So basically CNA. CNA sitting around old people all day. Um, so I guess that's why she can put her life on hold. But I'm just like, girl, if you attempted to go one time, made it to the airport and he said, Do not come, first of all, that would have been enough for me. I'm not playing with you no more. But okay, I get it. You know, second time, all right, like he's serious. And you get up there and you really get to spend the day with him. But when it just turns out to be a day, like this man literally came up there. I don't remember if he had a real shirt or not. He came up there in a ripped tank top, better known as a wife beater, a pair of jeans with his individual little braids looking like Riley fucking Freeman and went out to the damn waterfall with her, took her back to the room, had sex with her with that bad wig and she hopped back on the camera to let us know what happened dog she got that man breakfast and that was it he was back up out of there i'm like girl we could have made this mistake 10 years ago and i would have given it to you i would have been like girl i get it like it'd be like that 28 years old is entirely too old for you to be falling for some prison dick and he'd be in and out of there within 36 hours i mean i was i was astonished Exactly, exactly. And then to turn around and <clears throat> to turn around and then go back to jail. Go back to jail. Go back to jail. The nigga is back in jail. And then everybody want to blame Megan for him being in jail. How about blame yourself, nigga? First of all, you. how dumb are you to give a person that don't live where you live, give your phone and tell them, here, GPS this me. So let's that dumbest stuff I've ever heard. Let's step back a second. So that was so we he took her virginity the second visit. Or I guess her second attempt to see him slash first visit. Second visit, third attempt to see him, she comes into town and the first thing he tells her is, I gotta tell you something. I thought he was gonna finally stop lying to the woman and tell her I got a whole family, but I should have known better than that. He told her, I have to go see my PO. Now, we learned that Michael had like a five-hour window or some shit to go see his PO. Why would you gamble with being on time, going to pick somebody up from the airport, and then now to your point, handing him a phone and saying, GPS me to my PO? Like, how dumb are you? And then on the way, you realize you're going the wrong way, so now you are strapped for time you 40 minutes away from the right office and you only got 30 minutes to get there. This man immediately got aggressive, immediately started driving crazy, 
Child, when he told that girl to light him a cigarette, that would have been enough for me. I would have been like, you know what? This is not the type of relationship that I signed up for. <laughs> girl. girl. <laughs> and then, you know, like how people be like, I met his mama. Bitch, do you know me? Mamas don't mean shit. Especially you can meet their mama, you can meet their sister, you can meet their cousins, their uncles, their great great granddaddy. Guess what? That means not a goddamn thing. Because that's what mama was talking to the wife and mama was talking to the girlfriend. Yeah. That shit means nothing. And bitches be thinking, oh, well, I met his mom and she likes me. Girl, bye. Child. That means nothing. Mama just out here, like, just holding on for their life. That ponytail was tired. Well, I was just about to say. <laughs> That's why he like bitches with that hair because his mama hair is horrible. Oh my god! <laughs> you don't okay, know. Stay on this too long because we can talk about this all day. Okay, good our last hey girl hey because we've been going almost an hour and a half. Um. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm gonna be tuned in to the finale when when we uh, wrap up here. And I just hope that Megan goes on about her life. I think social media has already told us that it will happen that way, but. I want to put a bow on it, but okay. So our last, Hey girl. Hey, um, promise this won't become a weekly topic. I'll just put that out there right now, but it's just so juicy and spicy right now. Um, Robert Sylvester Kelly, age 52, um, back in the, back in the media, uh, we decided to convene this, this, uh, this recording right after his, interview with Gail King um, on CBS so he was basically just out there putting out his side of the story um, overall it kind of kind of played out like a mini documentary but with an interview that gave his own perspective and I thought it was I thought it was kind of, it felt kind of quick especially after you've watched like six hours of the shit but um, I thought it was kind of interesting um i don't think that r kelly should have did that i don't i don't think he helped his case um he kind of showed himself to be emotional and irrational and have an excuse for everything and not be really willing to take accountability for anything and then interviewing the girls did not help because to me it sounded like they all sat in a room and powwowed and said this is what we're going to say. This is how we're going to come across. Um, get hysterical. Be dramatic if you need to. Cry. Say it's all lies. And, you know, that's that's going to be our story. And that's what we're going to stick to. Like, nothing about anything that any of them said sounded authentic. No, I totally agree. And I feel like, oh, boy, oh, boy. First of all. It was like, like you said, everything he showed them exactly what the women were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting, the being over dramatic, the crying. He did all of that. Mm-hmm. And then to talk around, and you know what was funny? Thing? I don't know if people caught it, but did you realize whenever he was talking about R. Kelly, he would have a smirk on his face? Like, like the shit was a fucking joke? Didn't you catch that? I like mean, whenever he, was, whenever he was talking about R. Kelly, he always would he would have like a little sly 
like a little smile on his face. Like it brought him joy to talk about himself. Like you know how they say uh, most famous people are. Um, um, what is the word? Is it nar- narcissistic? Yeah, yeah, they narcissists. Yeah, and he um he was definitely. <sighs> It, it just it just hurts my heart because I was such an R. Kelly fan and I, I love his music but I just do not, I think I do not like him as a person and for him to be like, especially when he was being dramatic about how he want to have a relationship with his kids, well, we have heard from his ex-wife that he doesn't call his kids he right. hasn't talked to his kids in years he doesn't have a relationship with his kids, so for you to be sitting here now trying to cry and talk about what you're trying to have a relationship with that is kind of annoying when we already know that that's not true. And then you you tell, you know, that you don't you don't know how to hog tie women. You don't know how to do all that. But I really don't feel like his wife will have a reason to lie. Just like I kind of feel like the stories that the other women are telling why is everybody saying the same thing about you, Arkady? And they've been saying this shit for so long. And then let's get on these girls, okay? First of all, only one of them was really talking. Because the and other one can't talk? She lied so much, it was just ridiculous. For her to sit there and say that she never wanted to be a singer, her parents made her do it, and it made her depressed. No, that's a lie because... Girl, they brought up the receipts, not on this episode, but on the news this morning. I think it was like Good Morning America or something. Gail was on there. Mm-hmm. And um, there was somebody here in Chicago that was going through her hospital records. I was in Chicago. Where everyone was. I'm sorry. But she went through her hospital records and it showed that, yes, she did try to attempt suicide. But music was supposed to be her savior. Music was what was keeping her from killing herself. And you know how the internet is. The internet worked like that. And when I tell you, the, I want to say like a few minutes later, I go on Instagram and they got videos of her just singing online. So stop lying. You did want to be a singer. And then yeah. Gail had asked the young ladies, hey, what do you want for yourself? Yeah. And dummies both of these dummies gonna say um i don't know but whatever it is he's gonna support me and i'll be okay we're gonna support him first of all y'all wasting your youth you're wasting your youth on a man that is not gonna take care of you for the rest of your life and you need to figure out your own life you need to go out here in this world you need to finish school or go get some job experience. Because when that motherfucker drop you, yeah. you ain't gonna have shit. Well, yeah, and not just drop you, but when he goes to jail and you're gonna have to fend for yourself. And yeah, I wanna go back to what you said about him doing all this, claiming it's for the children. I felt like that was just a cop out and an excuse and something that was easy to say because just like he mentioned it everybody wants everybody thinks at least that people should have a relationship with their children and that should always be something you know it's always a good thing to strive for but just like you said he wasn't calling them kids 
it's like when you really think about it, it's like R. Kelly, why do you today not have a relationship with your children? Like, why does that? Why is that all of a sudden an issue that you realize is a problem here and here and now today? It sounds like that was years and decades of you not being involved in your children's lives. And on top of that, we know, like we mentioned last time, you weren't even paying child support. So you mean to tell me you weren't seeing the kids and you didn't even send them a, 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 a nickel or a dime? And oh. then when she was like, when he said he wants to have a relationship with the kids and she was like, well, do the kids want to have a relationship with you? He was like, I bet they do. You know, I don't remember seeing that on this on the episode tonight, but um, I know I saw it on the Internet. And he was like, oh, I bet they do. I'm like, you don't know then you you think they want to have a relationship with you, but you don't know that for a fact. And there were a few times where the way that he phrased things let you know that he's just kind of making it up as he goes along. And he's just basically trying to get out of the hot seat in whatever way he can and whichever way, you know, will kind of take the heat off of him. The girls, you know, they've been with him since they were legal. Um, Azriel, she was barely legal, I believe, when when she started living with him and dealing with him. Um, I do believe that her parents and Joycelyn's parents are also not the brightest. Um, Joycelyn's mom has... She cannot speak. Um, I hate to sound that harsh, but she cannot talk. And Azriel and them parents, they are a hot mess. They named their children. Her name, Azriel, it's a random apostrophe in there. She got a sister named Isis, but it's spelled like A apostrophe C I C E S. Like, what are y'all thinking? They went to our Kelly concert for their anniversary or somebody's birthday and took Azriel and had her front row. Like they definitely did a lot of things that don't make sense to me and that were complicit, you know, that I consider complicit behavior. But you can see to me where our Kelly has brainwashed the two girls as they live with him now, because nothing that they said had any depth or substance to it. I really wish that Gail would have asked them, you know, if you can talk to your families, why do you choose not to even call and give a, a hey or a, a hello goodbye on even a monthly basis, even if it's not once a week? You know, I get it. OK, if you don't talk to your, your family every day, fine. But you don't think that you could talk to them once a week or every, you know, few days you talk to them or well, you do a monthly check in like at that point, I feel like you may say that you're okay, but you do you do not have the access to speak freely to your family. So yeah, I just felt like a lot of what he said was incriminating, and he sounded really stupid. And it doesn't it's not going to help him as he goes to trial. He's going to jail still. Period. Yeah, I and I don't feel like anything he said helped him, but I do feel like he did put a little bit of the truth out there. I think it was some truth in a, just a little bit of what he said, especially when he said that his, that their parents offered them up to him. I do believe that that's what the parents did because even in the documentary, it kind of touched on that, but it just didn't say it in the sense of money wise because yeah. they kept trying to keep that part away that they didn't they weren't asking for money. But I believe that our kids was paying them, and until they stopped getting them checks or whatever the money was that he was sending them, that's when it became a problem. 
And I do feel like those parents gave him their kids. Because even, as, what's her name, Ezreal? Uh-huh. In the documentary, it said um, that she, her parent signed over their paternal rights to somebody on his team. So, for y'all to, y'all, y'all gave that man y'all kids. Period. Y'all walked y'all kids to this man and gave them to him. But they, they, I'm not saying that that's going to help his case or make it any better. I'm not saying that at all because the shit still fucked up because the girl was only 14 and that one was only, uh, what's, what's the, the, the savage girl was only 18 or 17 or something like that. So I'm not saying it's helping the case, but I also feel like parents, y'all trying to act like y'all got y'all so sad and, oh, I'm the victim this. But y'all ain't no motherfucking because y'all did shit. Y'all are in this because of you all. They said that they didn't get no money though. They said that tonight. I don't believe it. Let's let's look at bank accounts, please and thank you. I need to see bank accounts. That's um, that should be easy. Yeah, I, be, I bet it is, and I want to see text messages. Let's pull them phone records. I bet you if you pull them up the phone records and the bank account, girl, that. They was, I ain't gonna say that they was getting a whole lot of money, but I bet you they was getting something. Yeah, they probably were. I don't I don't understand how they allowed their daughters to get to that level of proximity with him. Because but it that just kind of went to show to me that there is there's a, a group there's a subset of people that can be easily manipulated, especially from a family level. You know, just like we were talking about abducted in plain sight. But um but yeah, I think that overall it's just become a mess and he's he's going to go to jail. And if he doesn't go to jail, just like he said, he's open to therapy. He needs to go. And this whole, you know, idea of him being this person that we expect to hear music from that goes on tour, that even has two girlfriends, he needs to dead all that shit and deal with all of his trauma and his issues because... He's gotten away with living a, a shady ass life and existence. And if he did wrong things, he hasn't paid very much of a price. Um, other than the fact that he's been paying all of these women and families off over the years. And oh. he hasn't had the same kind of money to go around that he should have because he spent so much of it trying to keep his dirt under wraps. But oh. either way, I, I think he needs to either be in jail or if he still somehow doesn't get convicted of some sort of sentence. He needs to be in some intense therapy and rehab. And we don't, like I told you, when we talked about this shit last year, I was like, I don't need no new music from R. Kelly. I need him to get some help. I still stand by that shit. I don't want to hear no more songs until you get some real help. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Well, we'll let that that be that on that. Um, I'm sure a trial will be coming up soon. And like we said, you know, we tried to hold off until the trial, but you know, R. Kelly is back in jail right now because he didn't pay that child support. It's like here we go again. So the, it sounds like it's gonna be a lot of back and forth, in and out of jail. You know, breakfast with Bruce. You know, in the cell. Um, you know, I can't stand his vile ass brother Bruce. He's, in a, uh, psych, he's on uh, R. Kelly's in the psych side. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah, leave him over there. Get him evaluated because he's not doing it on his own. Somebody 
figure out what the fuck is wrong with him. But all right, I know you like you mentioned we were running long, but um, but yeah, I think we explored some interesting things today. I'm glad we got it all out. But um, but yeah, once again, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, appreciate you with, for rocking with us. Um, I'm going to give the shout outs of the you know of the the websites and the Instagrams properly this time, okay? Because I know I said whatever the hell last week. My bad. So our Instagram is my cousin's keeper podcast. Um, thank you to those that um, are already engaging with us and following. We really appreciate you guys. And then on Facebook, we are at my cousin's keeper podcast. Um, so again, you can like, you can comment, you can follow us, you can DM us. Um, give us feedback, give us your thoughts, let us know what you're thinking. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, and once again, um, I am Jacqueline Renee. And I'm Danielle. And, um, we are my cousin's keeper. We're signing off. We'll talk to you later next time. All right. Good night.